Hey folks, and welcome to Typology, the show in which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. I'm Anthony Skinner, producer of the show, and we want to wish you a happy holidays. We hope you're having a good one. In light of the holidays, we are taking a week off to be with our families, so this week we're replaying one of our most downloaded episodes with Annie F. Downs. Annie's awesome. Annie's a best-selling author, nationally known speaker, based right here in Nashville, Tennessee, and her books include 100 Days to Brave, Looking for Lovely, Let's All Be Brave, and her latest, which you need to go out and get, just now released, Remember God. So make sure you check that out. Hey, sincerely, we really do hope that you all are having a wonderful holidays wherever you are with family and friends, and much love from Ian and myself. We really do appreciate you all. That's it for me, Anthony Skinner, and without any further ado, here is the host of our show, Ian Cron. Annie Downs, welcome to Typology. If one more person told me that I needed to have you on, I was gonna I don't know what I was gonna do, but it was I know, I'm sorry. It, it was gonna it, it involved self harm, but I, I'm I'm, I really, I am so excited to to have you here. Let me just, can I just take a second and brag on you? Oh, sure. That's very kind. Yeah. So, hi, everybody. So, Annie, best-selling author, incredible speaker. In fact, my our mutual friend, Miles Adcox, told me he, he heard you speak at somewhere last night. Yeah, at Crosspoint Church. At Crosspoint Church, giant place. Uh, and hey, just said so you, you were incredible. And uh, so, word on the street is... You are an amazing communicator, uh, which I know to be true. You live here in Nashville, the the best city in the country. The best city, love yeah, this agreed. place. You you kind of self describe yourself as flawed but funny, and maybe we'll explore mm-hmm. that a little bit. And that you use your writing as a way to underscore the everyday goodness uh, of a real and present. God and I. Lo- I mean, can I have a more seven bio? I mean, <laughs> no. I mean, yeah. This is yeah, yeah. This is good news. Uh, and yep. and yep. so you you've got books. You've got a hundred days to brave. Uh, looking yep. for lovely, and you've got a book uh, that dropped on October second. Yes, sir. Uh, a brand new book called Remember God. And so we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna talk a, a little bit uh, about that. Okay. And and okay. what life is like for you as a seven? Oh, Woo-hoo! I love listening to your show, and I really love when you have sevens on because we all—I mean, Luke Norsworthy is one of my very best pals, and the whole time he was on your show, he was going, yeah, "I don't have any feelings about that. I'm just having a great time." <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, we've had some serious sevens. Bob Goff, you know yes. Bob. Bob. Yes. Bob is a seven with a seven wing. Uh, and I think I am too, really. I know that's Rob Bell, that's Bob, that's me. I mean, oh. I don't know that I wing anything but seven. I see some eight stuff and some six stuff in me, but I am hardcore seven. Yeah, Rob, I mean, you know, he, he surfs every day. He yeah. starts his day off every single day by going surfing. Like it's a spiritual practice for him. Yes, yes. I keep a confetti popper in my purse at all times. You do not. In case I... Yes, I do. I have an entire drawer in my office labeled fun things, and it's full of confetti and confetti poppers and any kind of miniature party you need to have at any time. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Do you have a playlist on like Spotify called Happy? 
No, no, because you know what? I don't ever use that word. Is that weird? No. I don't ever use the word happy. I use the word fun the most. So if I'm going to have a playlist or a, a something like that, I'm probably going to lean toward fun or joy. I feel like happy has weird connotations to it to people, and fun has no connotation except fun. Hmm. Yeah, that works. I mean, but now you need to get a Spotify playlist called Fun. Yeah. I if need you to. did have it. one, who would who would be like the number one band you would download or artist? Oh, do you know who I actually love is Mumford and Sons. Even though they aren't very um, crazy and fun, they are very feely. Yes. But I. Um, but I think that's the author in me too that I love how they write. But when it comes to just pure fun dancing music, I, there is no wrong answer. I mean, I, if it if it is fun, I love rap, hip hop. I love um, I love country music. So it just, I mean, I, every I feel like everything I'm saying, Ian, you're gonna go like, well, of course she said that she's a seven. But my actual answer is, I like all music. I mean, right. I I haven't ran into music I didn't like. When I go see movies, I either like them or love them. Like those are the usually the two options. I, I, and so yeah. I love music too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have run into music I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Electronica, for example. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Not a big like, fan. Same, same, same. That would not be, but pretty much any hip hop, any 90s, two, early 2000s, you know, NSYNC yep. era. <clears throat> I loved all that. So wow. I, if, it, if it's if it sounds fun, I'm about it. Well, you can actually explain this to me because my son is a seven. Very, uh-huh. very, very strong seven. And he actually likes really sad music, which is so weird to me. Yeah, like he I do too. loves melancholy, very yeah. reflective. And I'm like, sometimes I'm like, dude, you need to put on some Pharrell because I'm not doing well with this. Like, I'm a four, <laughs> and even yeah, I, I am like, you know, want to get in the bathtub, you know, with a bottle of scotch while you're doing this. Yeah, but uh, you know what? That's the difference is sad music doesn't do that to us. What does it right? do? Right? It's, it's, it, to me, sad music or melancholy music actually brings me to a balanced level compared to what's going on in my head. So when I need to write or when I need to do, when I need to prepare or if I'm, um, if I'm cleaning my house or doing something that, uh, I, that I, for me, if I need to come down a couple of notches of excitement or just um, fever pitch kind of feeling in my head where there's a lot to do and a lot going on, and da, 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 that music brings me to the middle versus bringing me down to scotch in a bathtub. I mean, I can get there, but, but me, sad music or melancholy music or Mumford and Sons kind of music kind of is the center of the seesaw for me. Mm. All right, so what you're really describing, actually, clinically, is what how Adderall affects people who have ADHD. Really? Isn't that interesting? Yes, I didn't know like, that. Yeah, like if a person takes Adderall who doesn't have ADHD, it just feels like speed. Like yeah. it's like, woo! Now, if you give it to somebody who legitimately has ADHD, they don't have that response. It just brings them back to baseline. Okay. So That's I'll just really say that your love for music is actually self-medication and you should feel yeah. Very, yeah, and you should feel bad about it. But it's hey, legal. Listen, if there is if there is one thing I can do, it is self-medicate. I mean, I've been in counseling pretty significantly for about five years to try to work my first 30 years of self-medicating out. And I mean, I I was the unhealthy seven that refused to feel pain and so did everything I could do not to feel pain. What'd you do? And it's only been oh, I mean, I ate, I drank, I um I stayed up too late and watched movies and things I didn't want to watch in movies and um, spent time with friends when I was tired. I mean, I just would go, I would, this is no exaggeration. I would go weeks without a night where I didn't stay out late 
Mm. I mean, and but I w- but I was still living my life because whether this is seventy or Annie or whatever, because I you know, all sevens are different, you know. But but I could still do my life. I could still it was college and after college. I could still do my job. I could still live my life. I just when I wasn't working. And doing my job or going to school, I wanted to be busy and be doing something to keep me from feeling pain. And the whole time I was a believer and the whole time, I mean, some of the time church was my medicator and quiet times were my medicator. And they, I was anything to keep from the quiet winning mm-hmm. is what I would do. And well, so I, like that. I did. I did every I mean, I didn't do drugs, but I, and I um, didn't sleep around, but I did just about as much self-medicating as I could do. Um, to not feel the sadness that was living in me. Mm-hmm. All and right. then, do you know my story? Do you know that I like in 2013 I like melted down and got on a plane and flew away from everyone? Do you no, know but I but I know, but I want to hear it. Yeah. So that I mean, I pulled a real, and, and this was before I knew Enneagram. If I'd have known Enneagram, I'd have known. Now I have the language. I mean, I feel like that's one of the beautiful things about Enneagram is it it's not just this fun conversation I love having with my friends. It for my own life, it it gives me language of what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And so now I'll say, Oh, why why are you on Airbnb looking for a trip in February when it's September? What mm-hmm. are you running from? You're running from something, something hurts. Oh, you actually just feel lonely. I mean, this was last night, Ian. You actually just feel lonely because you preached all day and then you came home to an empty house. And so you're you're wanting to run away. We're not going to run away. We're actually just going to feel lonely and that is okay. And mm. you can tell someone or you can sit in it, but we're not going to book an Airbnb for a trip that doesn't happen for six months. Right. Right. I mean, right. but I, and so I, I have that language now, but yeah, in 2013, I, I, everything was falling apart at the same time. I had a relationship that wasn't working. I was single at the time, um, currently still not married. And, um, I, so a relationship wasn't working and there was a friendship issue and work wasn't working. Thing, it, nothing was working. And every other time I'd been able to go to another thing that was right to cover up the thing that was wrong. And suddenly there was no right thing mm. and it just got too much. And so mm-hmm. I literally, and now I only flew to Florida. So that wasn't that dramatic from Tennessee to Florida, but I, for, for an Annie and for a seven to leave and not tell anybody, I mean, I didn't tell anybody where I was going and I didn't have any plan. I just needed to get away. I didn't want to end my life. I just didn't want to live my life anymore. I just wanted out of my life. I wanted to eject. And so I did. I ejected and went to Florida. And and because God doesn't ever let us get away from him, honestly, which I'm so thankful for, two of my best friends ended up being on the same flight to Florida. And I didn't know. And they And it was Southwest, so you can sit by your friends. So they just came and sat by me and were like, what are you doing? We didn't know you were going to Florida. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I didn't know yesterday either. I bought the flight this morning on the way to the airport. So, and I just told him the truth. And, and I knew in that moment I had this, it, it was so life altering for me, Ian, because I had never, I just had never done that. I had never said, everything's wrong. I don't want to do this. Um, I'd always said, as as a seven does, oh, I'm having a hard time, but this is so fun, and I have this coming up, and this is going to happen, and have you seen this movie, and did you try this new restaurant? And and I um, and I told him the truth, and the husband just said, you don't have to go back. You can stay with us. You don't have to be in that relationship. In fact, you probably shouldn't be, and we can help. You know, everybody will help you with what they can help you with, but. Something's really broken in you, and you need to you need to figure it out and get it fixed because this is a deep thing, 
And I started counseling the next week and have been in it once a month now-ish. Every three weeks, I see my therapist. But for a while, it was once a week, multiple times a week at some points, um, just trying to she one time she said, I think you'll appreciate this because you know my type so well. Um, she said, it's not just that you've allowed some parts of your car to get rusty. It's that the entire car has to be taken apart and put back together. Mm-hmm. She was like, you've let it rust for so long that it actually, it's not like we have pieces to replace. We actually need to rebuild. Mm. And so we've been doing that for years. And I've probably felt on the backside of, building for about a year all right so when you were going to florida yeah and this is a frequently a feeling that i mean a question i like to ask people is what feeling were you hoping to leave behind in nashville uh every one of them except fun i would i didn't want to feel pain i didn't want to feel disappointment and part of the problem with being a seven and running from your pain and being a person of faith is that you know in your deepest parts of you, you never get to really run away because you know that that God is everywhere and that relationship, you can't run from that relationship. Right. Even if you're drunk, even if you're, you know, in the in the depths of something really bad, even even in your worst moments, you know that because you're a person of faith, you can't actually get away. And so that is so um, devastating that you can't get away. That's how I felt. I felt devastated that I knew I couldn't get away and I knew I couldn't really do what I wanted to do. And so there was devastation. I felt um, I felt a lot in that season. I, re- I remember feeling just get, get me away, get me away, get me away from all this because I didn't have the language to say like, oh, a seven wants to run from this. I was in a relationship with a nine and nines, it, correct me if I'm wrong, I've told you earlier, like I know just enough to be incredibly dangerous about the Enneagram, but whereas sevens run from pain, nines run from confrontation. And when I was unhealthy and he was unhealthy and we were trying to have a relationship, we couldn't have a hard conversation. So I'm like, as soon as I learned the Enneagram, I went, oh my gosh, no wonder we didn't work. You didn't want to have a hard conversation. I didn't want to feel a hard conversation. Right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so... It can be sort of a codependent, strange relationship. You're kind of feed. You can, in a place of you know unconsciousness, be feeding the worst side of of yes. each, or or I should say, kind of enabling uh, the the worst side. Now, but now I'm gonna I'm gonna put your feet to the fire. Are you ready? Seven okay. sevens hate being on the show sometimes. Like Luke, <laughs> Luke, man, he freaks out every time he's on my show. He's like, I don't want to go I there. Know. Um, I know. But like you just said, you know, I want to get away from pain. I want to do Kindle. Those are big bucket words. Okay. Yeah. And I know you were trying to get away from lots of feelings, lots of pain. But what I want to know is what was the dominant feeling or distress internally that you wanted to get away from? What was the dominant feeling that I wanted to get away from? Um, <clears throat> let me think. When I think about that flight I wanted to get away from what I predicted was going to be really hard a really hard future I don't know what that feeling is but that's that's what I was I I was foreseeing that there was going to be conversations I didn't want to have to have and I wanted to run away from them so was that a feeling sorry yeah give me a list I'll pick out the right feeling for you yeah that's very that that's you know uh it's I think it's called dread yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I still, 
I still have to make a choice not to run from dread. Well, I have to make a choice not to run from pain, but I do choose that now. I know I'm a, I'm, I've said to Miles, I went to onsite in January and I said to Miles after onsite, um, that, that I, I have had a more painful life and a more beautiful life since I quit running from pain. It hurts mm-hmm. more and it's more beautiful than I ever dreamed of. It's the more you see the darkness, the more you see the light, you know? And so, um, but I, so to 2013, I can't, I guess dread would be the closest one. Yeah. So, and probably uh, the feeling of powerlessness, uh, which is I'm, I'm powerless. I'm no longer, I'm no longer in control of the situation. I can no longer, uh, uh, orchestrate an escape from what I want to, what I'm about to feel or face. Yes, that's right. And that is still, um, that is still true of me at times. One of the things, I mean, my counselor who is just brilliant often says to me, yeah, what if we can't control that? Yeah. What if that is mysterious? Cause I don't like mystery in general and I don't like being out of control of things. That's my one you know, my unhealthy one goes, go and take everything should be right all the time. And if it's not right, who did it wrong? And I will fire them and replace them with myself and I will do it, you know? And, um, and so the idea of sitting in a situation where I've lost control of everything is it, I mean, that, that sounds scary even saying that to you. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So, you know, sevens are, are, you know, some of my favorite people on the planet. Obviously, I'm the Thank I'm you. the dad of a seven. Yeah, I'm a four, which is you know very different from from a seven. But I do, I do have a you know a, a very deep love for for that spirit, and they're they're a wonderful counter to me in my life. And I got lots mm. and lots of friends uh, who are sevens, and so you know you're in, you're in the company with the right person. But I also I also do do feel for their dilemma. Um, because yeah, I mean, life is really difficult and I think our whole culture, I mean, you know, we are the most drugged medics, medicated culture in the history of the world. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, by far pharmaceutically, uh, you know, so it's not just sevens Mm -hmm. running away from pain. I just think we have a culture that thinks happy is normal. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and I, I say that from when I'm teaching or preaching sometimes. I'll say, I'll say, I grew up thinking that I was living in a happy world that had blinks of sadness. And, and anytime that sadness lasted longer than a blink, I was really disturbed because it was not supposed to be like this. It was supposed to be like in a Disney movie where they play in a field, you know, like it's supposed to be fun. And, and what is actually true is what Jesus said is true is that in this world, you will have troubles. And so, so now that I am not afraid of pain and now that I'm willing to face, um, face it more head on, I, the sentence more in my head is, yeah, life is hard. And isn't it beautiful when it's not, (laughs) isn't it a gift when it's not? And isn't it when we have a great day, aren't I lucky that I had a great day? I, um, how do you find and, and, and it's the difference of switching between happy and joy for me from going from like, yes, this has to be happy. This has to be good to like, no, like joy just lives in me. And that isn't about my circumstance. And most likely the circumstance for everyone, myself, every seven, every number, their story is harder than they let people realize. All right. 
so you know, I'm not. You know, I'm always warning people uh, to be very careful about like parent blaming because that's too easy. Uh, sure. <laughs> you know, we, you know, but uh, I have children, and mm-hmm. I know that I've, by virtue of being a broken person in a broken world, you know, I I have contributed to um, their commitment to therapy. Um, yep. And so, did you? Well, let me, let me phrase it this way. I. Like in a way, the you're any everyone's enneagram type is indicative of a strategy that we adopted to deal with childhood trauma. Yes. So, in your life, mm-hmm. what was that trauma? Yeah, I think that for me, I mean, the seven is always asking who's going to take care of me. Mm-hmm. Right. And I still I mean, one of the things I have wrestled down in dating relationships is this man's job is not solely to take care of you. Right. I've had to like my expectations. I've had to hear in my head. Oh, you are you are asking him to be something because of your seven pain like that. He I mean, we should take care of each other in friendships and dating and family. We should take care of each other. But 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 I mean, when I boil anything down, it is. Are you going to take care of me? Is that because that's the question? Um, I, and so I think there was some of that growing up of feeling like it was there were times where I was my my number one caretaker um, because of the amount of because of my siblings, because of my parents jobs, maybe because of experiences at school or at church that would um that just kind of had me asking, and there is this thing in me that I don't know that I can trace it very well, but there is a thing in me that says, um, you are the one who is in charge of taking care of you. So you better take care of you and you better make sure you have what you need because you're the only one who cares. And, and that is still, I mean, that's still a, that's not true. That's a lie. And so I still have to wrestle that and say that, that is not, that is actually not true. You're not the only one who takes care of you. In fact, you're not even the primary one who takes care of you. There's a bigger, better story here than that. And um, so, but yeah, I would think that, I think no one gets out of childhood. I mean, you said it and you taught it to me when I read um, The Road Back to You. That That's the first time I ever saw like, oh, there's a childhood, there's a nature and a nurture to who you are in Enneagram. And, and I can see the nature because of my dad's personality, because of the storytelling that's come down through my family, but I can see some of the nurture too. You know, I, I, I felt like there were times that when I was little, that while my parents were busy dealing with other siblings, I was in charge of making sure I was okay. Mm. Did you play the role in the family of the class clown, you know, the family clown who kept like when things were intense or people in the family didn't want to deal with problems that were clearly happening in the system your job yeah. was to keep the sunshine going yeah yeah uh, my dad's that way too because he's really funny he says he's a six with a strong seven wing but that's just because he always is i think that's part nature too that he he felt um wants to always make sure everyone feels safe in the family mm. um, because of his upbringing and so but he's really funny like he you're gonna love this and he like came in second for the funniest comedian, the funniest um, accountant in the Southeast. It's like an actual comedy competition. Can you imagine? It's all accountants. <laughs> and so my dad, the accountant, came in second as the funniest accountant in the Southeast. That's and so, something. I know, right? Isn't that great? So there's some nature in me of that. And, um, and, 
And so my other role, something that I remember my parents saying to me one time, which you should never memorize what your parents say to you one time, but one time my mom or my dad, I think it was my mom said, you're the thermometer here. And, or you're, sorry, you're not the thermometer, you're the thermostat. And I was like, whoa, I did not sign up to be a thermostat of a people group, of a family, of a, you know. And so, um, and I think we're all, you know, as a system, we're, we're getting healthier and healthier, our nuclear family. But there was a time when I was the thermostat. And my, my um, emotion determined where the ship went. And that was that was a lot of pressure. Okay, I, I'm not sure I completely understand this. Give me when you say that you were the therm when your mom says that. Yeah. Uh, what did I mean? So if I'm happy, mean? everybody's happy. If uh-huh. I'm not happy, nobody's happy. So I I'm not the thermometer. I'm not just telling you what the temperature is. I'm the thermostat. Whatever my temperature goes to, everybody goes to. Mm. Did your did your family rely on you? to bring the juice to the table all the time. Like you were the, like the electricity, you know, like maybe mm, you were the person that like uh, just kept everybody energized and going. Um, probably not as much as you would think. My sevenness has gotten way more 70 as I've gotten out of the house. And after when I went, like when I kind of grew up, I, I got way more into my sevenness and into that side of my personality um, I, in my upbringing, I felt a lot of, uh, pressure from God, not really from God, but youth group and church. I felt a lot of pressure that, that my behavior determined whether people in my life knew God or not. Mm. And so when I was out in public, when I was at school, I felt all these, like, you can't make a mistake. So when I was home, man, I was like, let me just be me. Like, will someone just let me not feel like I have to be a good Christian so that they get saved. So I wasn't like the easiest kid to live with. And I just had, I mean, I had a lot. I feel like I was way more complicated than I knew how to communicate. And then my parents knew to ask. I just was more complicated than I knew how to talk about. And I'm really different than most of my family. There's not another like creative person. I mean, my dad and my sister and my uncle and my cousins are all CPAs. And my mom's a lawyer. And my grandmother was a librarian. And, you know, so I, and then here I come and I want to host a podcast and I want to write books and I want to, you know, like I want to be an entertainer. And I'm riding my bicycle around the our property interviewing myself as a six-year-old. And there's just no one else in our system that acted like me. Mm. And so I didn't know how to talk about that. All right. Now, so Annie, yes, sir. Uh, what I want to know is you talk about this in your book. You say uh, that uh, God gives a limp and a blessing. Yeah. And I think about Flannery O'Connor's great quote. You know, she says, I never trust a man who doesn't have a limp. Um, So what is the limp and the blessing of a seven? Man, I, you know, I feel like the whole book of Remember God would make you so proud of me, Ian, that I felt all the pain that I felt in that book. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's my healthiest book I've ever written and the most one full of pain. That's why we made the cover black because I was like, it's never going to get darker than this. This book has a black cover? Yes. Can you imagine a set? Do you know there's actually one of the people from a major retailer that was like, are you sure that's Annie F. Downs' new book? We don't, we aren't used to carrying books with, with such a dark cover from her. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, we did a black cover. Yeah, so the limp and the blessing to me, it, you know, it's a, it's a, goes back to Jacob is where it comes from. Is that wrestling with God that God blessed him, but it also cost Jacob his ability to walk. So for a seven, to me, um, the blessing is that life is fun. I mean, mm. life is really fun. I, I, in general, have more fun than the average person. I know I do. I love life. Um, the limp is no one knows how painful it gets mm. and, and no, it, it's not that people don't believe you. It's not that you say that it's not fun and they don't believe you. It's that, um, they don't even know to ask because you look like you're having so much fun. And so to me, that's the limp that I will always walk around with is people and the expectation. The other limp for me would be the expectation. Someone messaged me on Instagram the other week and they said, um, it must be hard to feel the pressure to be this much fun. And I was like, no, it's super fun for my, for my public life. It's that I love every bit of what I do. What I don't do is because I don't want to do it. Mm. But in my private life, it can feel hard because even my best friends who watch my Insta stories will think everything's fine until I call and go like, Hey, I'm not okay. Mm. And they're like, but you just put on Insta story. And I'm like, well, yeah, of course I did. I was sitting at my desk at work talking about being on Ian's podcast. Of course I'm having a great time. I can, I think maybe, maybe everybody can do this, but you know, as a seven, I can pretty good cut off the pain and ignore it and have fun, but that doesn't mean it goes away. And so I've got to check back into that at some point with my friends. And that's a limp to me is the expectation to be fun, the expectation that I'm going to be the one who gets everybody together, that I'm going to be the one who plans the things. And sometimes I don't want to be her. Mm. You don't want to be that person. Yeah. You know, Cause I want someone to take care of me. Right. I want to be taken care of. So I don't always want to throw the party cause I want to be taken care of. All right. So let me, you know, for a lot of sevens, being taken care of means support. Because a lot of mm-hmm. uh, sevens, if not all sevens, uh, a core fear is that you will get not just have pain, but you will be stuck in it. And, you, yes. and there, there will be no one there to help you out. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's like, if sixes deal with life with this, that fear with pessimism, sevens do it with sort of a overinflated optimism right yes and so you know when you say care again that's a big bucket word uh is that are you talking about i I need someone to shield me from pain or i need someone to support me if i'm in it and get me out of it yeah Yeah. oh sorry sorry i just lost my cord um yeah so for me it is not shield me from pain i don't need someone to protect me from what I'm work, walking through. I want someone to walk with me in it mm. and to walk me through the other side. So when I'm done, like last night, when I'm done teaching, you know, Crosspoint has four services. So you teach four times uh, from first service at 9 a.m., last one at 5.30 p.m. So I'm there from I'm there for 12, 13 hours. And when I get home, I want someone to say, hey, you did good. What can I, can I help? Do you want dinner? Do you want like... Do we want to watch a movie? Like I, just having someone with me in that is what I want. I don't need someone to go, no one speak to her. She's leave her alone, please. I don't need like a bodyguard. I just like having people that like notice when I have, um, when I am in a, yeah, I want people to notice when I'm in pain and say, but I don't want everyone. Like I don't necessarily, it's not, it's not that I need the, masses to notice i i want my people 
to notice whoever I'm, my best friends are, whoever I'm dating, my family, you know, like to say like, Hey, we, we bet that you feel drained. What does it look like to stand with you and to help you? And next week, uh, my three best friends from Atlanta are coming up for the day. And I, I mean, we just, we have like a little signal on our text message. It's like the emergency signal and kind of like our bat sign. And, um, and I just put it up and they were like, okay, we'll be there next Wednesday. What do we do? And we're going on a hike and going to lunch and we're not doing anything serious. I just needed somebody to come up here. Mm. So you're a public person, you know, and, uh, oftentimes like, like with Bob Goff, right? Um, you, there are expect. you know, we get paid to have a persona That's that, right. that people dig. And, and, you know, people can be kind of like bummed out if we don't show with the persona because that's what they paid for, you know, when you go out uh, or we are letting them down because they wanted their people or they wanted their audience at a conference to say to feel something and thinks in particular when we get up. Right. Um, So do you feel the pressure to be the, you know, the seven cartoon? You know what I mean? Like sort of like. Or like in like if you're not funny, if you're not energetic, if you don't bring all that energy, then people will be disappointed in you. Or do you are you okay with getting up there and being not that persona? Um, if I am feeling off in a public, if I'm if I'm in a speaking situation or a public situation, not an airport or a restaurant, and I feel off or something really bad has happened, I usually tell the organizer, "Hey, I know you know who I am, but." I had a tragedy happen this week or I've been sick all week and I'm bringing the best I've got. It is not going to feel the same to you as what you're used to, you know? And so, so yes, the pressure is there, but I usually just say if there's a reason I'm not going to be who they expect me to be. Who do they expect you to be? Do you think like when you, oh, they, I mean, they expect me to be funny, loud. Uh, they have brought me in because they want someone who talks about God in a really fun in an honest way, in a vulnerable way, but a really fun, um, tells her story with that people are going to laugh. People are going to have a great time. And I actually love that. If I, if the thing is, if people have expectations of you and you aren't willing to meet them, then don't say yes. (laughs) Right. Like don't, don't go. And so I know exactly. And, and I, I really like who I am. I love being a seven. I wouldn't pick being anybody else. There's pain to being a seven, but there's a pain to all of them. I'm having a great time. And I love that there is a unique spot on this planet that God has purposed me for. And so I love when I go to events and they go like, well, we brought in these two for these reasons, but we brought in Annie because we want everybody to laugh. I'm like, well, great. That's super. Unless one out of a hundred times I'm feeling off. And it really is one out of a hundred. I mean, most of the time, in that situation, I'm, I'm right there with them. I'm, I'm exactly who I want to be. And that's who they were. They were asking me to be Annie and Annie has fun 99% of the time out of a hundred. Mm. All right. Well, I think that's true. Do you feel like I'm telling you the truth? I think yeah, I am. Yeah. I mean, now, I've, I've cried twice, so I think that counts. Yeah. I want to talk about that. Um, <laughs> if that's okay. Cause uh, just about right before I asked that question, you looked really deeply moved. And, yeah, and I was just wondering what what was happening in you when, like, what was going down? Yeah, I just feel. I mean, I think I feel tired today because I um, I worked because I taught so much yesterday, and that is, 
and and the day after I teach, I just feel tired. And the sentence that I mean, I I can't tell you how true it is for me. It may not be true for every seven, but the sentence I wrestle with as a single woman who has a public career is: Is anyone t- going to take care of me? Does anybody care that I just was a public Annie for a lot of hours? And then when I was a private Annie, nobody was there. Mm. And and so, which isn't totally true because I had people reach out to me yesterday and really important voices that I really wanted to hear from. I did. And so, um, and so, so I think it just made me, because I'm thinking about my friends coming here next week and, and they're, they're celebrating remember God with me. And, um, so, yeah, I mean, but when I talk about being taken care of, that is like the center of my, I mean, it makes me teary. Cause that's, that's the thing that God and I talk about a lot. That's the thing that my therapist and I talk about. It's what I talk to my friends about a lot is like, this is the question that I hear in my head the most is no one takes care of you. You know, you are on your own. So, which is why I think maybe all sevens have a little bit of entertainer in them is, or a lot of entertainer in them as the case may be is because when we get in a situation, if we want to feel happy, we think, well, then you better go. If you want this to be fun, you better go. Cause we can't depend on anybody else to do anything, to do it for us. So if you're going to be happy, you better take care of it. And so that is what I've done for my whole life. Mm. And I'm getting better at, at um, not feeling the pressure to be her. Um, and But finding the balance of like, I, I am a seven, so I'm going to be the one that brings a lot of fun. And I love that. I don't have to bow to the pressure of that because there is a lack in me. Do that from a place of abundance, not from a place of lack. Mm, that's a good word. Yeah, like I think for sevens, this core belief that to, you know, in order for them to be secure, loved, and valued, they have to be up. They have to be open to all the potential positives and adventures of life. Um, And, you know, because we all are looking for security and love and and value. And that's how sevens, you know, as little people, they thought, well, this is by temperament uh, and by the way that people have responded to me. Yeah. Uh, this is the way I'm going to get it. Yeah. If I do this right. stuff, you know, that's right. I mean, I used to say to people a lot in, um, I, I thought it a lot in high school and in middle school it, as I would think things like, well, the boys don't want to date me, but at least they think I'm funny. And if they mm. aren't going to think I'm pretty, at least they think I'm funny. Mm. And, and so that for sure, I had this, um, sentence in my head, particularly my adolescence that is, I don't believe anymore, but it, the only thing I have to offer this situation is my humor. Mm. That kind of deeply touches me, um, as the father of a seven and, you know, I've heard he's only 21, you know, but, uh, he's, he is, I think, and I think this is true for all sevens. If they've, you know, lived long enough uh, and they've reached, you know, the end of themselves at some point is, but I think it's sort of a chronic thing is loneliness. Yeah. More than other numbers, you think? No, not necessarily. But I think that, um, you know, because it's a foil, like if you're out there with all this energy and being funny and, you know, people are responding to you constantly, right? Because you're, you know, oftentimes the center of attention. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're bringing yeah. the juice and then you go home and you're alone. And uh, like I can think of one person in particular and this person is actually a professional comedian and quite successful. And and yet I think he's always wrestled with depression. Yeah. Uh, he's always wrestled with anxiety. 
in loneliness, just profound loneliness. And um, I'm never surprised when a seven reaches this point of breaking and they're like, I am so tired. I'm so tired. And I, and people have no idea just because they look connected all the time to people. Yeah. Because yeah. people respond. But that doesn't, you know, doesn't mean that you're having deep relationship, right? That's right. And That's so, right. And so they just have a sense that nobody really knows me. Behind mm-hmm. the behind the facade of you know Mr. and Mrs. Funny and energetic and bring the juice, nobody actually knows the real me, and my depth, and they also don't know about my anxiety and loneliness. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing that people would say, like if my best friends listen to this, the thing they would say they knew the least about is my loneliness. Mm. I think I think there. Are, I have some friends, and this has been as I'm working on my health. I have I have three or four friends that really know everything. And so they know the the depression when it's happening. They know anxiety when I'm feeling it. But I, the thing I probably don't put enough words to, to my people is the loneliness. Mm. This raises an interesting question that I have. And, you know, it's always sort of dangerous about gender, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, you know, some teachers will say that, like, women eights uh, yeah. <laughs> will... Um, work themselves to the, you know, and, and crash. But, you know, they tend to have relationships in which they can cry uh, and in a moat and then they bounce back very quickly. You know, once yeah. they just blow off the steam, whereas male eights tend to have heart attacks. Yeah. Uh, and and I think with sevens, you know, I don't know if it genders a, an issue here uh, be- yeah. because of cultural reasons. They, you know, you have friends in which those types of, conversations may be easier than they are for men. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I worry about like male sevens because, yeah. you know, I think about, you know, the Robin Williamses of the world, you know, or right. now that was, you know, there were other mental health complications. But do you there. know, whenever a seven, whenever a Robin Williams, I mean, that stuff shakes me mm. when those happen. Cause you think, because I think the way I think about Robin Williams is the way so many people think about me, not in like a, it, it, yeah, yeah, in like it. a, I know him. I know him. How did that happen? I know him. Mm-hmm. I watched his movies. I follow him. Like, he's fun and he's okay, you know? And, and so those, when you see, when I see people that are known sevens or people that I would assume are sevens have real breakdowns, it always, I always think, okay, are you doing, where are you on the scale? How close are you to that? And what do we need to say to people that we aren't saying to people, um, to keep from breaking down. I'm allowed to break down, but I mean like break down in a way that, um, that is very costly, right. Personally, professionally, long-term, like there's a, you know, you should protect yourself from burnout. And so I'm allowed to break down. I'm not allowed to burn out. I won't let myself do that. I, I care too much about my career and God, honestly, and why I'm on this planet to let myself burn out. So, yeah, I mean, I just think that sevens feel this expectation and pressure because you are such great storytellers, et cetera. And, you know, uh, I just think the danger for you all is hitting that moment where it's like my strategy doesn't work anymore. And Dude. that's true for every number. You know? Yes, but it's you're like, right. When you guys crash, it's really sad to watch. Yeah. I mean, when I, I had a relationship not work with a man maybe a year ago, and, and that is what, I mean, it's why I ended up going, he, 
he was just a gateway. The Lord just used him to get me to onsite because I needed a lot more healing. But the reason I got where I got was because I thought none of my systems are working. This should be working. Not that the relationship had to work, but even in the deterioration of it, my sevenness wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And and it, I yeah, it's very, it is really it's really sad when a seven. When a seven hits rock bottom, it's really sad. It's hard to watch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and if you, if, you, if you really feel the pressure to live in this persona, and every type, right? Whether, you know, the three has to, you know, embody the winning persona, yeah, the winner, the yeah. winner. And the two has to be the helper persona, right? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we all feel these roles. And, like, yeah. we, we feel like, okay, now I can't break out of this because if I do, I'm changing the script here. See, now we and every type trains other people to respond to them in a certain way. Yeah, that's right. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, if you're changing the contract, if you're saying, hey, you know what? I'm getting healthy. I need to change. And that'll mean I'm not funny all the time. It might mean that, you know, I have different kinds of boundaries as a two or whatever. Yeah. People will unconsciously not dig this. Yeah. They will be like, wait a minute. Where's the fun? Or yep. wait a minute, where's the help? Or wait a minute, where's the winner? Or wait a minute, where's the blah, blah, blah? Mm-hmm. And, and, and so it takes great courage, really, to break out of a script, to see it and say it's called BS on it, yeah. and, and then say, I'm always going to be a joyful person, but I can't live inside the prison of this old script that I used as a child to yep. deal with trauma, yeah, that doesn't work for me as an adult. Now, uh, right. I need to, you know, I need to kind of disidentify with those parts of it that suck, and that you know trap me in in a, a, again persona, a mask. Yeah, yeah. But people won't always dig it, Annie. No, I mean there, it is something my counselor and I have said. She said to me, and I've said back to her a couple of times, like, I am choosing. I well, it's it's the limp and the blessing. I am choosing to be healthy, and I am going to be more lonely. In this relationship, in this system, in this family, with these friends, I am choosing healthy Annie. And the cost is I am going to feel more lonely because I'm not just playing in the system, the spot I've always played in the system. Mm. So that's awesome. I, I'm i going to throw out an idea to you. Uh, okay. Spiritually. I think the, the, you know, people ask all the time, well, you know, the point of the spiritual journey is X or whatever. You know, yeah. I've written a book. This is the spiritual journey. Here's what my theory is, and it's not original to me, but to great giants of the faith, that the point of the, of the, the spiritual life, and I believe this is true in the, the Christian tradition, is to become yourself. Yeah. To become real. beautiful. To become real. Like God mostly, God wants us to become our true selves. That's not navel-gazing. Yes. It's, not, it's not self-interest. Because, That's right. You know, it actually is... How do like how does Annie Downs bring glory to God? By darn right being Annie Downs. That's exactly fully. right. That's exactly right, Anne. Thank to, you. Yeah. Right. And 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 that means, and this is true for every type. And people don't get this yet about the Enneagram. And I'm writing about it right now. It's like that okay. means you can't be that number. Hmm. That means because in when you're unconscious in that type, and when you're using the strategy of your type to get your needs met. Uh, apart from God, right? You're yeah. you're you're getting the response from other people that right. meets your needs for yep. security and support. Like okay, da 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 da. You know, it's like here right. comes the, here comes fun chick, right? Um, 
that's not any downs. Right. That, not your, always, yeah. Right, your personality, our personalities are wrapped around a, tr- a real self, right? That's, yeah. I mean, it means mask persona now i'm not saying your whole personality is bad but what i'm saying is when you (laughs) thank you i hope not (laughs) no 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 no. every type every type is beautiful more complex than a type too yeah but but the deal is is that um uh, when it is being used in service to your own protection support security when you're relying on it for that stuff and not god yeah well that's a that's an unhealthy personality that now it's a mask it, it's not it's it's protecting your true self and i think what god wants and i think was what the enneagram helps us with is how do i take that mask off and become real and truly myself because you're mm. more than just mrs funny yeah for sure for sure and that's what i love about every i mean when other sevens and i talk i'm always like we're so different we're all so different because first i'm annie that's yes. you know like First, I'm Annie, and then I'm all these other things, and so. But I, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. I think that's a that's a good test and good check for me to remember and to make sure in in situations. Am I coming in first as an Annie or first as a seven? <laughs> exactly, and that's yeah. a big thing. Uh, I've said this a million times on the show. I will say it a million times more because you know we need to hear things repeatedly. But your, the Enneagram teaches you who you were before the world told you who you were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. or who oh, you had good. to be. Yeah. And usually, you know, we default to our natural gifts and innate talents to, uh, you know, craft a personality that wins people over and what we hold and will win their love and their security and all the things we really need in this life. Because as little kids, you don't have any conscious awareness of God. You're trying to figure out how do I do this on my own? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, well, what game do I have to play? Who do I have to be uh, to please the important people in my life so they take care of me? Yeah. Well, I got to be funny. Yep. Right. Or I got to do this to keep my family system together, my parents together. Or I got to do this in order to survive school. It's like, do you still need to do it? Or do you? Or now you can choose to be funny. You can yeah. choose to be who you are. That's part of who you are. Yeah, but, it, but it's when you are compulsively addicted and need to be at all costs, or right. you are afraid that your life is going to fall apart. Right, that's a sick personality. Yeah, that's right. That's right. My my counselor and I have worked through. That was so much of the start of this was um, how much it needs. How what do I need from this? Like, what do I need from the sevenness? And what do I need from being loud and funny? Because where else can I find that? Right. And so, and so now it feels, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not done being, getting healthier, but now being on the healthier side, I do feel more permission from myself. I yep. mean, really, when it comes down to it, I feel like no one has asked me to be more stereotypical than I have, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm the one who's saying, Hey, if you, the only way you're going to get what you want is if you act a certain way. And so I'm the one who, who made those rules up, not even asking other people. And so it's been, it's a, it's a journey. That's so Christiany. It's a journey I'm on to, to get to the place where Annie always wins over being a seven. So. That is really important. And I want to end on it because that is, and and that's true if you're a four or you're a two or you're a one. I'm always telling people, you know, like, it's almost like, um, you give people a type or a number, which, you know, 
I see, I'm, you know, people are more complex than a number or a type, okay? Yes. And there's no such thing as a pure type. Uh, but, you know, what I'm always telling them is, you know, you're a lot more than some kind of type. I mean, your type is just a sort of a, um, let me tell you, this, let me put it this way. Your type doesn't actually tell me who you are. Mm. And and I think what people think is, oh, like people come up to me at restaurants sometimes. And they go, the, first of all, they'll say, oh, you're the Enneagram guy. And that, of yeah. course, is, that'll drive me crazy because, you know, right. Uh, but then they're like, oh, I'm a this number. Oh, and I, and I guess that means you know who I am. And I'm like, I have no idea what kind of who you are. Yeah, that's right. I, because because your personality is not your soul. Yes, that's right. Right. Uh, you're 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 they're, they're, you are plumless. And, mm-hmm. and what you've actually described is, uh, here's what I know about you. I could probably predict uh, the way that you see the world, the way that you act, the way that you feel in different situations. I can probably predict how you react uh, to different stimuli in your life. I can blah, 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 right? I can, right. because I know the Enneagram well, I can mm, sort of make very reasonable guesses uh about those things in your life but it doesn't tell me what sort of human you are it doesn't tell me for example are you a good person doesn't tell me that right Right. you could be a you know you could be um a a seven with terrible character yep that's right right um i hope i'm not but no no i don't think you are but i'm just saying (laughs) we're so much more i'm always telling people please don't now identify with your enneagram type and think that's who you are and, and, and actually communicate to people that that's your identity. It's not your identity. It's the way that you learn to navigate the world and get your needs met. It's the mm-hmm. way that you learn. It's a strategy you develop to deal with pain, all of us in different types. And and that's it, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And once you abandon it, your type for those reasons, then I think what emerges is your true self. Mm. And, you know, once you can just relax your grip on it, yeah. You know, what starts to come up is the true Annie, the true Ian. Yeah. Beyond personality. And she's so much better anyway. Like, I just like the moments that she's out. <laughs> that's the Annie the world gets and the, the Annie that I get to see in the mirror. I just like her better anyway than the one who tries so hard. So. Wow. Well, Annie, thanks for being on Typology. I want to remind people, remember God, mm-hmm. uh, your new book. Yeah, all about, I mean, I love that idea that, you know, we all have a limp and a blessing. And, you know, yeah. you're exploring God's immediacy, his presence, his immediate presence uh, at, at all times, in all places, and in us and around us, and meeting our needs uh, uh, in every way possible. I want to tell people that, you know, your website, Annie F. Downs, and, and by the way, Annie with an I, right? So it's, yes. it's A-N-N-I-E-F downs.com check her out there also instagram twitter facebook they're all annie f downs at annie f downs a-n-n-i-e-f downs and annie thank you for um manifesting joy in the world and expressing it and in bringing it to people and bringing your increasingly true self to the world uh we need you uh, as your true self and I sense deeply that you know the veil of personality is thinning on, mm. on you and we're able it's more and more transparent so that we can see into your soul not just your 
thoughts, feelings, and actions. Yeah. Thank you, Ian. Man, thank you for the work you do. You are you are one of my favorites. I'm so thankful. So thank you for what you do. This is such an honor to be on the show. See y'all later. Thanks, Annie. Uh, you are a prize. And I want to just remind my typology listeners of something that, I mean, we talked about it today on this on this podcast. Be yourself. Everybody else is already taken. Love you all. <laughs>